0: In the early days of Generations Community Church, we had to be flexible. In the early days of Generations Community Church, we had to be flexible because many church plants, when they're new, they rent from a school, but they rent from high schools. We wanted to be different. We rented from an elementary school. So there was no auditorium that was easy breezy. So it took 10 people, 10 people, two hours to set everything up in this elementary school. And the dynamics of the elementary school meant that we had to bend and flex. For starters, uh, the school district had initiated this thing where they shut down the air conditioning over the weekends. And we had one weekend, one Labor Day weekend in September, where it was 101, 102 degrees that weekend. No air conditioning would have meant for many tears of sadness. Sadness. So we had to innovate. We had to, we developed this system where we had lights on, on these giant clamp things that we would gaff tape to the wall next to the AC sensor so that the AC sensor went, whoa, whoa, it's 500 degrees. I don't know how that's possible. Turn on the air conditioning. Oh, my goodness. And so we did that. We did that. In the summertime, we would show up for church. And there would be furniture strewn about the hallways. Classrooms that we were using would be closed to us. And if that wasn't everything, the head janitor of that school, bless his heart, he was on the struggle bus with God. He had some big issues with God at the time. And because he was mad at God and because we, the church, represented God, we were the recipients of all that angst. And so one of his favorite passive-aggressive things to do was to call me on a Friday afternoon at 3.45 p.m. and say this, hey, just want to let you know, you can't have the school this weekend. What? (laughs) Can you, like, and so we would scramble last minute. What are we going to do? Where are we going to meet? And I remember when uh, there was one Sunday we had, we were having Chad and Karen Gentry come up to help us have a special worship time. And we had all this stuff planned and they, they were already on the road, on the way to Kentucky. Uh, and so Jenny and I had just moved into the house that we live in now, and it had had termites, so there was damage in the family room. And so we had all these four-by-fours that were propping up the, the floor of that part of the house. And so we had church in my family. There were 60 or 70 people. I don't remember the service, but I remember praying to the baby Jesus the whole time, please let the floor hold. Please let the floor hold. Please let the floor hold, Okay. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. Are there any students in here today? Are there any students? Do any of you under the age of 18, show of hands, have to share a bedroom with a sibling? Yeah. That's a rare, that's a rare phenomenon these days is having to share a bedroom with a sibling, which means that these same young men and young women, when they go to college, whoa there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of opportunities for flexibility because you got a roommate and your roommate's not like you. And your roommate does stuff that drives you crazy. I learned this firsthand when I went to college at Wheaton College in the 1980s. I met one of my best friends the first week. His name was Andrew. His name is Andrew. And we hit it off. And But we both had assigned roommates and We kept telling ourselves, you know what? We should be roommates. We're such good friends. We should be roommates. We should be roommates. Well, sophomore year in our extended friend pool, we roomed with other people out of mercy because they didn't have roommates. And we said, you know what? Junior year, junior year, we're definitely being roommates. And junior year came and we were both so excited. And then there was the reality of sharing a room together. Andrew is like seven foot, 24 inches tall, And about a 1,000 pounds, I'm exaggerating a little bit. And so he had an internal heating system that was always, you know, overloaded. You know, he wore Hawaiian shirts in January in Chicago, okay? And so Andrew thought that the room was too hot all the time, so he would keep the window about halfway open. I would wake up in the mornings in Chicago in January, and there would be snow in our room. (laughs) I'm not. I don't have... I have the opposite problem. I can never get warm. I'm always cold. And so, and then there was another issue. Andrew's way of clothes management was do laundry when there's nothing you can recycle. So you're on like the fourth or fifth time and the the smell test. I mean, it's just bad. And so that pile would get to about here, mid, mid chest, just a giant pile of stinking clothes. Um, and in case Andrew's listening to this, I love you, buddy. <laughs> like, just a pile of stinking clothes. And so it was chaos, chaos. Blessed are the flexible, uh, for they uh, shall not be broken. I believe, though, that in America today, America and Americans have a big dose of inflexibility, don't they? Particularly when it relates to politics, your favorite Topic of conversation on social media, right? So there's there's people in America today. Healthcare it ought to be you know healthcare it ought to be you know and government ought to and government better not dare and you know off they go and there's these big debates and everybody's inflexible. I my way is right. This is played out at the local level in a unique way. A few years ago, uh, one of our sheriff's deputies was on a call nine one one call. <laughs> What's your emergency? Oh, I need the sheriff. Gets in the car. Woo, 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 woo. The Crown Victoria police cruiser just clunked out on the county road. And so thank God this guy was in shape. He had to run the last mile to make the call. And there were all these inflexible things that were going on in county government that, that made for that just wonderfully awful moment. I know this room is very politically diverse because I know y'all and I have coffee and lunch with you and you tell me things, but does anyone here, does anyone object to police and fire and ambulance vehicles being workable? Like, does anyone here say, you know, that is the dumbest thing in the world. As a matter of principle, I think fire trucks, no. Anyone? Right, no. So we all agree that like when you call 911, that's a legit expectation that somebody's going to show up in a Wii U car that, that works, okay, a workable Wii U car. So so here's the thing be flexible is on our wall and it's one of our church's values but i want to suggest to you today that actually we're living in tension between flexibility and inflexibility so last week i i suggested that one of the ways to live like jesus is king is to love your enemies and it's that balance between toughness and tenderness well today i want to kind of i want to flesh out the this Tension between flexibility and inflexibility. You should be flexible on some things and inflexible on others. Now, there's a risk for any church or group of people that you can become too flexible. You just bend at anything and everything. And there are churches like that. And then, right, there are churches that they're inflexible. Like, you know, they got the doctrinal T's and Q's, and not only that, did you bring coffee in the sanctuary? Did you? Like, you know, there's all these other rules, and they're completely inflexible about all of those things. I believe there's a model for this tension between flexibility and inflexibility in the New Testament. See, in the, in the early days of the Christian movement, in the early days of the Christian movement, there were some followers of the way, dot, 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 of Jesus who were Jews, and they did it Jewishly if that's a verb, adverb, or whatever, right? So they, they went to synagogue. They celebrated all the feasts and festivals, and, and, and they followed the way of Jesus in this Jewish way. And then you would go to other cities like Antioch, Alexandria, Corinth, and there would be Gentile followers of the way, dot, 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 of Jesus. And their worship and stuff looked a little different. It looked a little different than the way the people in Jerusalem went about it. So where do you flex? Where do you stiffen up? I want to look at Corinth and something that Paul says to these Corinthian believers as a way of kind of walking out this tension between flexibility and inflexibility. Corinth was a very prominent Roman city, not unlike New York or Chicago or LA or Atlanta for us Americans. Corinth was a big deal and On the hill outside the city, you can see it in this picture. See the big hill? On the big hill, there was a temple to Aphrodite. In case you don't know who that is, it's the goddess of love. And they did a lot of things in and around Corinth that were related to lust uh, and, and that were tied to that temple. In fact, it was so much that if you lived in another Roman city like Antioch or Alexandria and you referred to someone as a Corinthian girl, it was a euphemism for other things, as sexist as some of you might think that that phrase is. And so Corinth had this reputation. So Paul visited there in one of his missionary journeys. He starts a church, and this church gets going, and this church has problems. For starters, it's racked by division. They're divided on all kinds of issues. And then leaders are promoting themselves. Can you imagine at Generations if there was like the Max sect and then the Josh sect? There were people that were like, you know, Josh is just so much better. Woo, I'm on Team Josh, baby. Team Josh, number one. And like Josh like, you know, it would be, not be bad on Mondays. But can you imagine? And that's what was going on to this church. And leaders, one of the leaders of the church was having an affair with his stepmother, with his stepmother, and no one in church was saying anything. Well, you know, I'm not saying anything. Not my place. And so that played out. And if that wasn't enough, church members were suing each other, and then some church members were going to the whole temple thing and paying for sex with prostitutes. And so Paul writes this letter to them in all of that messed-outness and this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 13 and following. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple and those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yet, I've never used any of these rites. And I'm not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I'd rather die then lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I'm compelled to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. So in this little section here, Paul's saying, man, you Corinthians are all about your rights. Well, I have a right to this, and I have a right to that. Sound familiar? Sound familiar, Team America? (laughs) Okay, I have a right to this. And Paul says, not me, I have a right to be paid for the work that I'm doing among you. And I've worked my own way and I didn't even insist on that. And part of that is because you have this weird thing about patronage where you think that if you're giving me money, you should be able to get favors from me. And I'm not even walking down that road with you. So like I've not, I've not grabbed a hold of any of my rights and you're all about rights. You should be like me. And then he goes on verse 17. If I were doing this On my own initiative, I would deserve payment, but I don't have a choice, for God is giving me the sacred trust. What then is my pay? It's the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. He's saying, look, I'm just an oikonomist. I'm a household manager of this God's house thing. It's not even mine. I love it when people from the community will say, Uh, Max's church and I I smile and I was like I don't have a church Jesus has a lot of them I don't even have one (laughs) (laughs) Or I love how sometimes pastors will refer to their people and i'm always like I don't have people (laughs) God has people. I don't have any people Okay, and so paul is saying this in this section and then the kicker is verses 19 and following paul says this Even though I am free a free man with no master. I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I I lived like a Jew to bring Jews to Christ. And when I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I'm not subject to the law. I, I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. Now, when I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I don't ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Let me read that one again. I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. So, Paul is saying, Look, you guys are all focused on your rights. You got to write to this and write to that, and you should be like me. Imitate me. I don't, I don't, I'm not grabbing my rights in that way and insisting on them. And Paul has this wonderful notion of Christian freedom. Christian freedom is not the freedom to do whatever you want or do whatever you like. That's the American notion of freedom, isn't it? Woo! Like, you know, teenagers become adults. Nobody's going to tell me what to do anymore. Ha, ha, ha. Or, like, this is an American way of going about it. And Paul says, no, 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 freedom is not to freedom to do whatever you want or like. Freedom, real freedom, is freedom from the things that keep you from becoming like Jesus and freedom for service to God and others. That's what real freedom is. So for Paul, the message, the gospel, is something that is inflexible. It's unchanging. But Paul was willing to flex on certain issues in order that he might save some or win some to Christ. Now, this isn't a kind of notch on the belt thing. Well, I got another three converts this week. Woo, go team God. Like, no. Paul's language uh, in the previous verses What Paul is saying there is uh, that word really means to to win is really to gain. And in Paul's way of thinking, God is gaining a return on God's investment of his one and only son. So God's getting a return on what he's done in the world. And Paul's just getting in on this thing that God is doing. Okay, So Paul's going to do whatever it takes. And he talks about three groups of people. The Jews the non-Jews, and the weak. So the, and there's a play on words here. The Jews are the enemas, the non-Jews are the animos. Get it? Animos, animos. woo. Okay, play on words. And so, so Paul says, for you Jews, you think that observance of the law is an indicator that you're on God's team. You are so wrong. That's not an indicator that you're on God's team. And then for those that are outside the law, who are like, man, I'm free to do anything I want. Paul's like, no, you're wrong. You're not free to do anything you want. You're free to serve God and others. And then to the weak, he has this wonderful thing where he basically says, look, weakness is not a sin. Weakness is not a problem. You're not somehow deficient because you're weak. God's strength is displayed in my weakness, okay? There's nothing wrong with being weak. Paul is not a chameleon who's kind of, switching back and forth between groups, what he's doing is he's setting aside his preferences and rights without running contrary to the gospel. So Paul was flexible, except when he wasn't. Paul was flexible, except when he wasn't. There's this tension in the New Testament between flexibility on things that don't seem to matter, as much as some might think, and inflexibility on things that do. So I want to ask you, Generations Community Church, to be flexible in your heart with your own preferences, but be faithful to what God says and what God requires. And that's the tension. So let me ask a a couple of questions in light of this. The first question is, what are your non-negotiables for you? What are the things that you won't flex over? How many do you have? And how did you come to decide on those? Did God get any say on any of those? Or is that just stuff that you feel and you think? And then secondly, would you be willing to consider someone else's preferences, someone else's opinions, someone else's perspectives or likes or dislikes in order to for them to be incorporated into God's family or maybe even keep them in God's family? Let me suggest some practical things, and then I want to I want to focus on Jesus for a moment. The first is inflexibility in your life is often an indicator that you need a break. When you are most inflexible, uh, the line shall be drawn here. Here, no further. Like you know, when you're inflexible, you probably need a snack. Snacks are really good, or a nap, or you you know. Take a break before you, uh, take a break, don't wait until you, I got this phrase, don't wait until you break to take a break, right? So don't wait until you break to take a break. So again, when you're finding yourself with your spouse, with people that you live with, people in your church family where you're really inflexible about something, one evaluative piece is to ask yourself, do I just need a nap or a snack? Am I really overtired and spent? Is the fuel tank low? And is that what is fueling this inflexibility? And then secondly, hold flexibility and inflexibility in tension. Here's what I'm going to tell you about this church family. This church family does really well at being a safe place for people. It's one of the strengths of Generations Community Church. And what that has meant over time is that very wounded people come in and broken people come in, and then people come in who think all kinds of amazing things some of which are orthodox and some of which are not. And that's just part of it because it's a safe place and they can be themselves and express these things. I've had coffee with people that are part of the church family who've told me that aliens seeded life on planet Earth. I have had conversations in the parking lot with people who have said something like this to me, Max, Jesus, definitely one of the top five teachers in all of human history, definitely not God. And on the inside, I'm like, whoa, oh, heresy, condemned by the lateral council. Oh. <laughs> you know, Right? But we have that conversation, okay? So there's flexibility to allow people to come in and do that kind of stuff, but there is some inflexibility at Generations, if you didn't know that. Uh, One is when it comes to pastors and elders and whatnot. One of our newest elders was freaked out because they had to complete this, like, 20-page questionnaire that was based on the Apostles' Creed. If you want to be a pastor or an elder at Generations, guess what? You have to be able to say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell, and on the third day he rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he'll come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. There's inflexibility on that stuff. Somebody says to me, I want to be uh, your worship pastor. I want to be an elder, but, you know, Jesus top five teacher, not God. I go, you're welcome to stay at Generations as part of the family, but not in that role. Inflexible. Okay, so there's a tension there. There's a tension there. By the way, if you want to cultivate that tension, I want to suggest to you to become more and more biblically literate. The more you know what's in this book, the more you'll be able to follow the tension that we see in the life of Jesus and the life of Paul, because you'll know more of God's character and how God tends to deal with people and situations. And often for many of us in knowing this book, there came a point where we basically made a decision that the Bible, that God would have authority over us and that God would get to tell us some things about what's real and true and right and wrong, okay? So hold flexibility and inflexibility in tension. And the last thing I want to suggest is keep the list of things that will cause you to walk away from church a shorter list, a shorter list. Americans leave and join churches today over personal preferences, over issues of convenience. Um, I like Pastor Max. I like Pastor Andy. I like, you know, and, and there's this stuff that plays out. Over the past year in greater Lexington, I've known scores of people who have left their church family over a piece of fabric because oh, my goodness, the church should have, you know, everybody should have been wearing one and blah, 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 or everybody shouldn't have been wearing one and hashtag church is essential. And, you know, there were all these camps and things mapped out. And, and I've talked to so many chamber friends that literally this piece of fabric was the, was the thing that got them to go, okay? Um, I want to suggest to you that this isn't as important or, or dramatic as your pastor standing up and saying, hey, we had a church meeting, and we just want you to know that Jesus is, in fact, not the only way. There's lots of ways. Figure it out. It's okay. Like, in that moment, I hope you'd be like, I don't know if I can keep in fellowship with these people. Like, that's legit, okay? (laughs) Okay? So keep the things that cause you to walk away from church a short list. Why would I say that? you'll put up my picture of this instrument of Satan... Josh, I don't know if I've ever told you this story. I think I have. So we were at Church of the Savior. I was finishing up seminary. I hadn't been invited to join the staff yet. And one Sunday, a drum set appeared on the stage. Now, I had grown up Baptist my whole life. The church, the, 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 the church is always has carpet. The carpet's either red or green or blue, Okay. Uh, there are always pews, you always sing hymns, you never have drums, never, okay? And so a drum set appeared, and not only was it on stage, someone played it during worship, which lasted, by the way, 45 minutes, followed by a 50-minute sermon, hashtag love God, okay? And so on the drive home, I had this conversation with Jenny, and I was saying, I, this, this is wrong, I, we can't have a drum set on the stage. We, we're going to have to be in a different church. Da, da, da. Thank God for Jenny Vanderpool. She said, "She's what are you talking about? What is coming out of your mouth? This is our church family. A drum, it's a musical instrument. It's in Psalm 150. Read Psalm 150. <laughs> and so we have this back and forth for a week, and... She and the Holy Ghost convinced me that I can get over myself and be okay with drums in the worship. If I had allowed my preferences and passions that I was experiencing that week to carry me, I would have never been invited on staff. I wouldn't be standing in front of you today. So literally, Josh, a drum set, <laughs> helped birth Generations Community Church. Who knew? Who knew? Okay. The Apostle Paul held intention inflexibility with flexibility. And he got that from Jesus. Jesus held this intention all the time. In, In Matthew chapter 12, there's a couple of instances where Jesus gets in trouble. So it's the Sabbath. He and his disciples are walking through these fields of grain, and they just pick, they're hungry, and they just pick grain and they eat it. Oh, you're breaking the rule, not supposed to work, no labor on the Sabbath. Oh, Jesus, you're in trouble, trouble. And they have this big discussion about it. And then I think the same day, Jesus, there's the synagogue, and there's a man, and his hand is deformed, and Jesus heals the man's hand. Again, working on the Sabbath. And so I love the way Eugene Peterson quotes this verse in his translation, The Message. This is Jesus speaking. There is far more at stake here than religion. If you had any idea what this scripture meant, I prefer a flexible heart to an inflexible ritual, you wouldn't be nitpicking. The son of man is no yes man to the Sabbath. He's in charge, baby. Jesus said that. So again, I want for us as we continue to move forward as a church to be able to handle the tension between flexibility on things that don't matter or shouldn't matter as much and inflexibility on some of the things that do.